Hello and welcome to the 1/160 of a second photography podcast and it's episode 8 and episode 8 is called photography and videography they're the same right uh, more of a question really so we're back today and we've got Ben with us today from episode 7 and Ben for those people who uh, haven't listened to episode 7 it was a great episode but yeah can you just introduce yourself quickly? Yeah, uh, my name's Ben. I'm a photographer and Photoshop editor slash retoucher. Very good. Did you used to have a background in videography? I did. I mainly I started it in college all those years ago and then uh, went on to university and have been freelancing for the last 10 years doing it. Very good. So today's episode is photography and videography they're the same right um, and people might think that because a lot of people would use a DSLR for videography or a mirrorless camera for videography and I suppose to the to the layperson to the untrained eye one might you could easily mistake one for the other you might think someone might think oh you've got a big got a big camera as someone once said to me you can do both can't you um, I'm not sure people really appreciate what goes into videography so let's start this podcast by asking, what is videography? Simply put, it is recording moving footage. Um, that's the most basic description. Obviously, there is a lot more that goes into it than that. So it's making making video. I think that's a very good description. And it has a similar name to photography, but there are some key differences. I think one of the key differences is a photographer. A photograph is still and it is just the photograph what goes into videography so as you say photography uh, is uh, that one shot um, video is usually filmed at 24 or 25 frames a second so you've got 25 shots per second that you need to be aware of that's just for one second um, should the subject move or the camera move or anything else happen then you need to be ready for all of those changes and all inev inevitabilities that may come out so it's it is the same principles as photography but it's a lot more so it's a lot more on top of just taking setting it up and looking good in camera I think the biggest problem with it because I used to do quite a lot of videography I think the biggest problem with it is there's a lot more that can go wrong and for for some reason people have higher expectations of video than they do of photos so people are quite critical of video where they wouldn't necessarily be a photos. Would you would you agree with that? I yeah, I would agree with that. Um, uh, a lot of people see an image and they, get, they just scroll past the video. Takes it will draw you in and you invest some time in watching that. So any flaws or anything worth critique, critiquing will get critiqued. Whereas an image, they can just they'll just click past it, look at the next one. Yeah, and I think the average person probably doesn't see themselves as a photographer, but because we have so much high-quality video content, um, we're in England, uh, in the UK, for those for our international listeners, and we've always had excellent TV, whether it's been imported from other countries or produced by um, English companies, UK companies, like the BBC. I think we've always had phenomenal high quality TV yeah. that you never really spy any mistakes in 
I've never seen any mistakes on uh, live TV, maybe. Yeah, but live TV. I've never looked at anything and oh, that's badly edited, or I think the lights are off there, or mm, the white balance is wrong. I've never seen anything to criticise on TV, and I think maybe that's where it comes from. So, who does videography? I think it's starting to, to be a lot, uh, the, the term is getting a lot broader now. It used to be people doing um, actual filming, uh, making films, commercials, but now with, especially with YouTube, it's so much more accessible for everyone and the, the quality of footage you can even get just out of your, your phones. Um, every man and his dog can be a, is, can be a videographer now. Um, people doing those pointless reaction videos or filming themselves playing computer games, they, they can all class themselves as videographers. What well, What's a reaction video? It's basically a video of someone watching something. So this is my, this they will film themselves watching a new trailer and filming themselves reacting and then they put that on youtube i before you explain that to me i i didn't know what you meant by pointless or i can't remember whether it's a pointless or silly but i think yeah i think that is completely pointless because a reaction is spontaneous and you've planned if you plan to capture it, it's not really spontaneous. No, and why just watch the just watch whatever it is that needs to be watched? Why do I need to watch someone else watching something? Yes. What level of narcissism is it that, hey, I'm gonna watch the new Avengers trailer, but I'm gonna let people know what I think instead of just let them watch the trailer. Or I've just seen the Avengers trailer. Um, now I want to know what other people thought of it. Yeah, just yeah. It's it's not for me. I'm sure everyone, other people who do it love it. That's great, but it's not for me. I think you've been really diplomatic there, so I, I thank you for that. I really don't. I, we've we have got off topic, but I think it's a good off topic. I don't like YouTube videos where people just stand there and talk to camera for thirteen minutes. You might as well do a podcast. Is how I think of that. I know YouTube's more accessible. There's one in the in the news recently. Um, I don't know a name, but some she calls herself an influencer um, because she's got X amount of followers on whatever social media. She tried blagging a free hotel in Dublin, and they said no. And then she's classed it as bullying because, and she's done like a 13-minute rant about why she's being bullied because she wasn't given a free hotel because people watch her watch like talk about just random stuff. Well, it's been good. I, I, I've not seen it, but clearly it's been good publicity. It's been well, some publicity for the hotel, hasn't it's, it? The, the hotel, is. they've responded in very funny fashion. They've sent her a bill. Um, I can't remember what it's for, but um, it's for like 5 million euros for however much marketing that she gets from people watching her videos. And she says, oh, and they make a note saying, disclaimer, uh, video views and likes don't count towards payment but they've been in the press before when they banned vegans from their hotel and vegan food but they've got um, they've got a massive social media following and they know exactly what they're doing with it sounds like it yeah and i guess they haven't just had the manager standing there talking for 15 minutes about something in front of a white wall no not at all they just sent her an email she's kicked off about that and then they've sent her the bill and now she's kicking off again Fantastic. I also, so this is January 2018 that we're recording this episode. We're, um, we're sat in my car for somewhere quiet 
it's right it's january in england so it's raining it was snowing earlier it's a thoroughly miserable day but what I, the reason i've talked about the date is because it's been a, a star wars episode 8 has been around for about a month and there are so many videos about why people hate it why people understand why people hate it and why people think it's okay and that does baffle me it it, it was a controversial star wars film as as controversial as they get for star wars but I, cer I certainly wouldn't um, go out of my way to make a video about it. And the other thing is, it, it, sort of a technical difficulty as well, you have to show things from the Star Wars film without infringing copyrights. And I yeah. guess the only way people can do that is to show clips from the trailer. So you would have to record the trailer somehow. Which is most likely against... Probably any uh, infringement rights yeah you'd have to record the trailer in fact showing any part of it's probably against probably breaks the copyright show the tra record the trailer record yourself edit it together just to express your view that you don't like it that seems yeah. like an awful lot of and then time and effort to go to if you've got the right amount of followers and views and you can monetize the video and make money off of Star Wars well, to me, that is the dream job, um, running a YouTube <laughs> channel about Star Wars. But there are, it's a crowded market. Oh, I, definitely, yeah. <laughs> there are, I, I do watch YouTube videos about Star Wars. I haven't watched any about why people hate Star Wars Episode Eight. Um, anyway, we're, we're pro I'm probably getting off topic there. I liked it. Um, certain bits, they could have, nah, the whole layer, I don't, oh, spoiler warning, the whole... Uh, Leia doing a Mary Poppins impression and Rose at the end pushing Finn out of the way just so she can steal a kiss and ruin his great big saviour moment. Well, I thought that was quite funny. What I didn't like was that whole... I, I actually used this as the opportunity to go to the toilet was the um, the bit on the gambling planet. Oh, yeah. What was that? There was no point... There was no, no need to that. And two interesting things have happened I've never had a spoiler alert in one of my podcast episodes before so that's a new for me and the second thing is I've criticised people making videos about what they did and didn't like about Star Wars and oh, I've, no, done, I've done exactly the same, the same. Yeah, um, so that, I'm a complete hypocrite in that respect yeah that bit on the, in the gambling bit deserves it come True. across those <laughs> don't save the, the slave kids save some horses which funnily enough understand perfect English Oh, we need to find some cover so the horses run into, into a tunnel. Not not going to disagree with that. Let's get back to videography, though, and I'm, I'm going to take the blame for pulling us off videography. That's my fault. You've got your, you've got your man, man with an iPhone, wants to do a little bit of videography. What can they... Where are the pitfalls going to be for them? Flat. Um, you can't change depth of field. Um, you can't really... You can zoom, but it's not great. If you well, you can get lens attachments for iPhones. I had some um, just cheap ones for a, a couple of phones ago, and yeah, they're okay. They're a gimmick. Um, if you want to get into that, then it's, it is a cheap alternative for getting then getting a, a DSLR with different lenses. Um, a lot of phones now can, image quality can be as good as expensive DSLR cameras, 
the only problem is uh, there's no interchangeable lenses. Mm. I think that the key I've recorded, I've recorded things on my iPhone, and I do do a bit of videography. And the key thing for me is probably sound. Yeah. And stabilizing that image. One of the good, th one of the key things I think if you're doing videography is to consider movement. So sweeping shots, um, shots where you move, shots where you, you it's, it's called a dolly shot. It's difficult to explain to a listener what a dolly shot is when you sort of pan from left to right ever so slightly um, rather than turning it, you just move your camera sideways to give a nice movement or up and yeah. down. And getting those sort of things in will really transform videography, but you don't want it shaky when you're no. walking and stuff no the human hand is very is not stable when moving um, you can have the most steady hand in the world but as soon as you've got a camera and you start moving then it's going to be jerky and jumpy you can buy um, stabilizers and like gimbals for cameras um, and you can use them for phones as well but if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be doing that you might as well just get a camera if you're buying all that extra equipment well there's a cheap option you can put it on a tripod yeah, you can. Or you can. I mean, we're recording this um, with a microphone on a small tripod. You can get gorilla pods. A gorilla pod type thing. You can get a ten pound microphone that you, a lavalier microphone that you stick into your iPhone that has three three pins rather than two or one actually for most microphones, um, and that works with your iPhone. And that will drastically trans. In fact, those two things sticking on a tripod getting an external microphone will drastically improve anything you make yeah. with your iPhone. Let's talk about um, bloke with a reasonably good camera. So by that I mean a non-smartphone camera. <laughs> what his pitfall is going to be, in fact I've said bloke, how sexist, person with a reasonably good interchangeable lens camera. What are their pitfalls going to be and, and how can they overcome them? Are they the same as with the iPhone? They're not the same as the iPhone. People, a lot of people I found buy the camera, buy loads of kit and think that's going to make them a good photographer slash videographer. Uh, they won't practice, they, they may not study um, and then the camera just sits there gathering dust and they'll sell it and buy their next gimmick. If you're buying a camera for the purpose of videography with X amount of lenses and equipment then it is an investment and you not only need to invest money in it but also substantial time to learn what to actually do with it. I think light is a key thing as well with your iPhone or your camera if you're filming outside you're okay it's gonna be bright and well, it's not today is it? <laughs> today we're struggling to see out of the car in, in all honesty no today I think you'd be alright yeah I mean your film when you film you film at double the frame rate. So in the UK, the frame rate is generally 25 frames per second. In other countries, it's 30 frames per second. So you would film at 1 50th of a second or 1 60th of a second. If you're doing more frames to get slow motion, you would, so if you're doing 60 frames per second, you would film at 1 20th of a second as your um, shutter yeah. speed. So you double it. There's a rule that tells you to double it. I'm not. I couldn't explain why, and I'm not going to. So, at, at those high shutter, at that's to me that's a high shutter speed, and that lets in a lot of light. So, you're fine outside, but when you film anything inside, you really need to get 
a light and a, turning the light on isn't always enough, is it? No, l indoor lights, regardless of how they look to your eye on camera, have like a not horrible nasty yellow slash orange glow to them. And the the light source is always above, so it's just going to be causing nasty shadows, nasty orange shadows on your subject. I also think they're just they don't produce enough light. No. You need to go overboard with light from what your eyes telling you is correct um, for it to look good on camera. Yeah, definitely. Always better to have too much than not enough. Yeah, you can always turn your aperture up, I think. So, bloke with a video camera, sorry, not a video camera, bloke with uh, an interchangeable... Person, person with a camera. Sorry. <laughs> person with an interchangeable lens camera, not a video camera or anything. Um, what what sort of we've talked about the pitfalls and that's going to be lights and that's going to be essentially training to get to know what to do um that rule i talked about i suppose comes comes into the training so what are the easy things to overcome the pitfalls just practice practice and tutorials think of an idea of what you want to do try and do it yourself if you can't look online for someone else's expertise I would say film film in front of a window it's probably the cheap cheap option to get more light isn't it yeah whatever you're filming if it's a person film it in front of a window maybe get some cheap LED lights or put yeah. some lamps on or something yeah you can get um, some good LED panel lights um, relatively cheap 20 pounds on uh, on eBay and they've got the ones I've used before have got a dimmer switch on the back so you can control the lighting it's not just going to flood them with a glare of white light and the other I'd still go back to sound the microphone you'll get on a camera will probably be much worse than the one on the smartphone in all honesty so investing in a 10 quid microphone again will will pay dividends um, because I think sound is something people will put up with maybe shaky footage or not very good footage but sound people are quite unhappy with yeah even if you as you said before just get a, a microphone that you even just plug into your into your iPhone and record that the audio separately and yeah you'll have to sync it up in uh, whatever your editing program is but at least you've got uh, footage on camera the audio on camera and a backup a much better quality backup on the phone as well I think as well, there, there's considering editing as well. What is the point of a 40-minute video of someone on holiday? Or you you sometimes watch videos people have made and and they're just each scene is maybe a bit too long. Yeah, that's the nicest way to put it. I think things have to be short and snappy, don't they? Particularly in the internet age. Oh, definitely. Yeah, most people switch off within the first minute if they're not interested. So let's talk about the overlap with photography. I suppose there's an, you do a lot more, don't you, when you do videography. You do sound, you do lighting, you there's so many more things, like I said at the start, so many more things that can go wrong. You do so many more things. And you might have people whose specific job is to do those things. But there are still principles that overlap with photography. One is getting the light right, one is getting the depth of field right and composing the image yeah. I would say is, has a definite overlap with photography 
What are your thoughts on what overlaps with photography? Uh, no, that, that's um, I think that, that sums it up. It's it's the same principles from photography, just transferred into a much longer shot. If you want, it's the principles of a photograph, just expanded. Um, if you're going to do it, practice the shot. Obviously, you have rehearsals. You like with photo uh, photography, you can just take a hundred images until you get the right one. With uh, videography, yes, it's more time-consuming, but you can just practice and practice until you get it right. And let's talk about should photographers experiment with videography? I think photographers should experiment with, with, with anything they can. If you've invested money in a camera you might as well have a go at that movie mode on it. Um, oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. i definitely advise getting off auto movie mode. Always, if you've got the cam a camera that can do things manually, do things manually, definitely in video. Yeah, I rarely, rarely put it on auto. Of course, your, your iPhone sort of is auto, unless you use something like Filmic Pro. But, yeah, definitely get it off manual, set the ISO, set the shutter speed and then set the aperture to brighten or darken really or maybe the ISO but yeah get it off auto and actually cameras have got better at taking automatic pictures but movies they're just dreadful at automatic no yeah it's with I think with movies the, the especially with DSLRs they're not really designed to go automatic with movie mode it's because there's just so many different things that you need to like constant changes of light and motion it's best to put those in practice or plan those yourself and come up with the counters to a sudden harsh light or a sudden movement the other thing is if you do have automatic movie or use your iPhone it's probably going to be in 30 frames per second which is fine if you live in America or New Zealand but in the UK there's a reason things are 25 frames per second in the UK and that's because our electricity runs at 50 hertz so our lights will flicker um, 50 times per second so if you're recording it's going to be quite technical now if you're recording at 30 frames per second you'll be able to see lights flicker it wouldn't matter in a photo but in a video segment I think could be quite off-putting to the viewer that sort of light flickering oh definitely and that's not something that's easily fixed in editing unless you're unless you know what you're doing and there's nothing worse than filming something and it looking looking good and then when you get back to editing there's the flicker of light and then it then you just go oh god what can i do well very little yeah very little um yeah so so many pitfalls i definitely would i definitely think photographers should experiment in videography and there are halfway houses actually there are those still images that move that you can do on instagram or put on the web yeah um not we're not talking i'm not talking about gifts i don't know what is it cinema graphs that yeah um yeah i've seen them um i've got an example on my phone one if you want to see it. they're quite easy to do just you keep everything like a photo but one thing moves it's how i would describe a cinema graph So that's a good example I was thinking of. Ben is showing me a picture of a lady and she everything in the photo is still, but the hair is moving. 
Uh, I didn't do that myself, that was done by someone else, that's with my uh, lovely fiance. Oh, you, you could have got away with um, not mentioning that and I would have thought you had done it. <laughs> the other thing, it's probably a little tip from me, is put your phone in flight mode unless you're, in fact, even if you're recording, put it in flight mode. Recording on your phone, put it in flight mode. If you're recording on another camera, put it in flight mode. Reason being, you'll get that horrible occasionally when someone rings you or you get an update from your network. Does that still come through? I haven't had that for a while, not since um, filming on DV tapes. I used to get it quite a lot then. But I haven't, I haven't come across that in a while. Is that still, um, is that still an issue? It's happened to me. That was some, some years ago, but it has happened to me. So I always put my phone in flight mode. Um, yeah, just me. Who knows? Right, any other thoughts on do you think photographers should experiment with video? Just get out there and do it. Even if it's even if videography isn't something that you want to get into in like long term, it will give you a, a newer understanding of your camera's functionality and possibly even the way you compose a shot and the way you plan it as well. So that can't be a bad thing. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't worry about 4K. If your camera doesn't have 4K, I really wouldn't worry about it. 720 is acceptable. 1080 is fine. There's a big 4K push, but the problem with 4K is you've got a basic grade your computer. It's so much more intensive on all the editing you do, and it takes twice as long. Well, have you edited 4K? Uh, I have. I've edited yeah some 4K drone footage. Um, my editing program can do it to 8K as well, but that just pretty much blows my computer up. And you got to think, who's going to be watching it on 4K? So if the, if it's just going to be for YouTube, then why bother? It's just going to drag out the process and strain your processor. So 1080p is more than standard more than um, uh, acceptable I think the only advantage for YouTube is if you record at 4k and then export it at 1080 you do get a slightly sharper image but no one's gonna not rot no one's not gonna not watch it because you haven't recorded it in 4k no, not at all. no one's gonna refuse to watch your stuff because you you haven't 4k it right I think we're gonna finish there so perhaps in the comments let us know if you've experimented with videography or if you generally agreed with us, um, with the caveat of nothing about Star Wars. Um, so you've been listening to the 1-162nd podcast, episode 8, all about photography, with myself and Ben, and we'll see you in our next episode. Goodbye. <laughs>